Chapter 8 of Essays in Experimental Logic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Franklin Vius. Essays in Experimental Logic by John Dewey. The Control of Ideas by Facts. 1. There is something a little baffling in much of the current discussion regarding the reference of ideas to facts. The not uncommon assumption is that there was a satisfactory and consistent theory of their relation in existence prior to the somewhat impertinent intrusion of a functional and practical interpretation of them. The way the instrumental logician has been turned upon by both idealist and realist is suggestive of the way in which the outsider who intervenes in a family jar is proverbially treated by both husband and wife who manifest their unity by berating the third party. I feel that the situation is due partly to various misapprehensions, inevitable perhaps in the first presentation of a new point of view, and multiplied in this instance by the coincidence of the presentation of this logical point of view with that of the larger philosophical movements, humanism, and pragmatism. I wish here to undertake a summary statement of the logical view on its own account, hoping it may receive clearer understanding on its own merits. In the first place, it was, apart from the frightful confusion of logical theories, precisely the lack of an adequate and generally accepted theory of the nature of fact and idea and of the kind of agreement or correspondence between them which constitutes the truth of the idea that led to the development of a functional theory of logic. A brief statement of the difficulties in the traditional views may therefore be pertinent. That fruitful thinking, thought that terminates in valid knowledge, goes on in terms of the distinction of facts and judgment and that valid knowledge is precisely genuine correspondence or agreement of some sort of fact and judgment is the common and undeniable assumption but the discussions are largely carried on in terms of an epistemological dualism rendering the solution of the problem impossible in virtue of the very terms in which it is stated the distinction is at once identified with that between mind and matter consciousness and objects the psychical and the physical where each of these terms is supposed to refer to some fixed order of existence a world in itself then of course there comes up the question of the nature of the agreement and of the recognition of it what is the experience in which the survey of both idea and existence is made and their agreement recognized is it an idea is the agreement ultimately a matter of self-consistency of ideas then what has become of the postulate that truth is agreement of idea with existence beyond idea is it an absolute which transcends and absorbs the difference then once more what is the test of any specific judgment what has become of the correspondence of fact and thought or more urgently since the pressing problem of life of practice and of science is the discrimination of the relative or superior validity of this or that theory plan or interpretation what is the criterion of truth within present non-absolutistic experience where the distinction between factual conditions and thoughts and the necessity of some working adjustment persist 
putting the problem in yet another way either both facts and idea are present all the time or else only one of them is present but if the former why should there be an idea at all and why should it have to be tested by the fact when we already have what we want namely existence reality why should we take up the holy supernumerary task of forming more or less imperfect ideas of those facts and then engage in the idle performance of testing them by what we already know to be but if only ideas are present it is idle to speak of comparing an idea with facts and testing its validity by its agreement the elaboration and refinement of ideas to the uttermost still leaves us with an idea and while a self consistent idea stands a show of being true in a way in which an incoherent one does not a self-consistent idea is still but a hypothesis a candidate for truth ideas are not made true by getting bigger but if only facts are present the whole conception of agreement is only more given up not to mention that such a situation is one in which there is by definition no thinking or reflective factor at all this suggests that a strictly monistic epistemology whether idealistic or realistic does not get rid of the problem suppose for example we take a sensationalistic idealism it does away with the ontological gulf between ideas and facts and by reducing both terms to a common denominator seems to facilitate fruitful discussion of the problem but the problem of the distinction and reference agreement correspondence of two types of sorts of sensations still persists if i say the box there is square and call box one of a group of ideas or sensations and square another sensation or idea the old question comes up is square already a part of the facts of the box or is it not if it is it is a supernumerary an idle thing both as an idea and as an assertion of fact if it is not how can we compare the two ideas and what on earth or in heaven does this agreement or correspondence mean if it means simply that we experience the two sensations in juxtaposition then the same is true of course of any casual association or hallucination on the sensational basis accordingly there is still a distinction of something given there brutally factual the box and something else which stands on a different level ideal absent intended demanded the square which is asserted to hold good or be true of the thing box the fact that both are sensations throws no light on the logical validity of any proposition or belief because by theory a like statement holds of every possible proposition the same problem recurs on a realistic basis for example there has recently been propounded the doctrine of the distinction between relations of space and time and relations of meaning or significance as a key to the problem of knowledge things exist in their own characters in their temporal and spatial relations when knowledge intervenes there is nothing new of a subjective or psychical sort but simply a new relation of the things the suggesting or signifying of one thing by another now this seems to be an excellent way of stating the logical problem but i take it it states and does not solve
for the characteristic of such situations claiming to terminate in knowledge is precisely that the meaning relation is predicated of the other relations it is referred to them it is not simply a supervention existing side by side with them like casual suggestions or the play of fantasy it is something which the facts the qualitative space and time things must bear the burden of must accept and take unto themselves as part of themselves until this happens we have only thinking not accomplished knowledge hence logically the existential relations play the role of fact and the relation of signification that of idea distinguished from fact and yet if valid to hold of fact this appears quite clearly on the following quotation it is the ice which means that it will cool the water just as much as it is the ice which does cool the water when put into it there is however a possible ambiguity in the statement to which we shall return later that the ice the thing regarded as ice suggests cooling is as real as is a case of actual cooling but of course not every suggestion is valid the ice may be a crystal and it will not cool water at all so far as it is already certain that this is ice and also certain that ice under all circumstances cools water the meaning relation stands on the same level as the physical being not merely suggested but part of the facts ascertained it is not a meaning relation as such at all we already have truth the entire work of knowing as logical is done we have no longer the relation characteristic of reflective situations here again the implication of the thinking situation is of some correspondence or agreement between two sets of distinguished relations the problem with valid determination remains the central question of any theory of knowing in its relation to facts and truth two i hope this statement of the difficulty however inadequate will serve at least to indicate that a functional logic inherits the problem in question and does not create it that it has never for a moment denied the prima facie working distinction between ideas thoughts meanings and facts existences the environment nor the necessity of a control of meaning by facts it is concerned not with denying but with understanding what is denied is not the genuineness of the problem of the terms in which it is stated but the reality and value of the orthodox interpretation what is insisted upon is the relative instrumental or working character of the distinction that it is a logical distinction instituted and maintained in the interests of intelligence with all that intelligence imports in the exercise of the life functions to this positive side i now turn in the analysis it may prove convenient to take an illustration of a man lost in the woods taking this case as typical of any reflective situation in so far as it involves perplexity a problem to be solved the problem is to find a correct idea of the way home a practical idea or plan of action which will lead to success or the realization of the purpose to get home now the critics of the experimental theory of logic make the point that this practical idea 
the truth of which is evidenced in the successful meeting of a need is dependent for its success upon a purely presentative idea that of the existent environment whose validity has nothing to do with success but depends on agreement with the given state of affairs it is said that what makes a man's idea of his environment true is its agreement with the actual environment and generally a true idea in any situation consists in its agreements with reality i have already indicated my acceptance of this formula but it was long my misfortune not to be possessed offhand of those perfectly clear notions of just what is meant in this formula by the terms idea existence and agreement which are possessed by other writers on epistemology and when i analyzed these notions i found the distinction between the practical idea and the theoretical not fixed nor final and i found a somewhat startling similarity between the notions of success and agreement just what is the environment of which an idea is to be formed i e what is the intellectual content or objective detail to be assigned to the term environment it can hardly mean the actual visible environment the trees rocks etc which a man is actually looking at these things are there and it seems superfluous to form an idea of them moreover the wayfaring man though lost would have to be an unusually perverse fool if under such circumstances he were unable to form an idea supposing he chose to engage in this luxury in agreement with these facts the environment must be a larger environment than the visible facts it must include things not within the direct kin of the lost man it must for instance extend from where he is now to his home or to the point from which he started it must include unperceived elements in their contrast with the perceived otherwise the man would not be lost now we are at once struck with the facts that the lost man has no alternative except either to wander aimlessly or else to conceive this inclusive environment and that this conception is just what is meant by idea it is not some little psychical entity or piece of consciousness stuff but is the interpretation of the locally present environment in reference to its absent portion that part to which it is referred as another part so as to give a view of a whole just how such an idea would differ from one's plan of action in finding one's way i do not know for one's plan if it be really a plan a method is a conception of what is given in its hypothetical relations to what is not given employed as a guide to that act which results in the absent being also given it is a map constructed with one's self lost and one's self found whether at starting or at home again as its two points if this map in a specific character is not also the only guide to the way home once only plan of action then i hope i may never be lost it is the practical facts of being lost and desiring to be found which constitute the limits and the content of the environment 
Then comes the test of agreement of the idea and the environment. Supposing the individual stands still and attempts to compare his idea with the reality, with what reality is he to compare it? Not with a presented reality, for that reality is the reality of himself lost. Not with a complete reality, for at this stage of proceedings he has only the idea to stand for the complete theory. What kind of comparison is possible or desirable then, save to treat the mental layout of the whole situation as a working hypothesis, as a plan of action, and proceed to act upon it, to use it as a director and controller of one's divigations instead of stumbling blindly around until one is either exhausted or accidentally gets out? now suppose one uses the idea that is to say the present facts projected into a whole in the light of absent facts as a guide of action suppose by means of its specifications one works one's way along until one comes upon familiar ground finds one's self now one may say my idea was right it was in accord with facts it agrees with reality that is acted upon sincerely it has led to the desired conclusion it has through action worked out the state of things which is contemplated or intended the agreement correspondence is between purpose plan and its own execution fulfillment between a map of a course constructed for the sake of guiding behavior and the result attained in acting upon the indications of the map just how does such agreement differ from success three if we exclude acting upon the idea no conceivable amount or kind of intellectualistic procedure can confirm or refute an idea or throw any light upon its validity how does the non-pragmatic view consider that verification takes place does it suppose that we first look a long while at the facts and then a long time at the idea until by some magical process the degree and kind of their agreement become visible unless there is some such conception as this what conception of agreement is possible except the experimental or practical one and if it be admitted that verification involves action how can that action be relevant to the truth of an idea unless the idea is itself already relevant to action if by acting in accordance with the experimental definition of facts this as obstacles and conditions and the experimental definition of the end or intent this as plan and method of action a harmonized situation effectually presents itself we have the adequate and the only conceivable verification of the intellectual factors if the action indicated be carried out and the disordered or disturbed situation persists then we have not merely confuted the tentative possessions of intelligence but we have in the very process of acting introduced new data and eliminated some of the old ones and thus afforded an opportunity for the resurvey of the facts and the revision of the plan of action by acting faithfully upon an inadequate reflective presentation we have at least secured the elements for its improvement this of course gives no absolute guarantee that the reflection will at any time be so performed as to prove its validity in fact
but the self-rectification of intellectual content through acting upon it in good faith is the absolute of knowledge, loyalty to which is the religion of intellect. The intellectual definition or delimination assigned to the given is thus as tentative and experimental as that ascribed to the idea. In form, both are categorical and in content, both are hypothetical. Facts really exist just as facts and meanings exist as meanings. One is no more superfluous, more subjective or less necessitated than the other. In and of themselves, as existences, both are equally realistic and compulsive. But on the basis of existence, there is no element in either which may be strictly described as intellectual or cognitional. There is only a practical situation in its brute and unrationalized form. What is uncertain about the facts as given at any moment is whether the right exclusions and selections have been made. Since that is a question which can be decided finally only by the experimental issue, this ascription of character is itself tentative and experimental. If it works, the characterization and delineation are found to be proper ones, but every admission prior to inquiry of unquestioned categorical rigid objectivity compromises the probability that it will work. The character assigned to the datum must be taken as hypothetically as possible in order to preserve the elasticity needed for easy and prompt reconsideration. Any other procedure virtually insists that all facts and details anywhere happening to exist and happening to present themselves, all being equally real, must all be given equal status and equal weight and that their outer ramifications and internal complexities must be indefinitely followed up. The worthlessness of this sheer accumulation of realities, its total irrelevancy, the lack of any way of judging the significance of the accumulations are good proofs of the fallacy of any theory which ascribes objective logical content to facts wholly apart from the needs and possibilities of a situation. The more stubbornly one maintains the full reality of either his facts or his ideas, just as they stand, the more accidental is the discovery of relevantly significant facts and of valid ideas, the more accidental, the less rational is the issue of the knowledge situation. Due progress is reasonably probable in just the degree in which the meaning categorical in its existing imperativeness and the fact equally categorical in its brute coerciveness are assigned only a provisional and tentative nature with reference to control of the situation. That this render of a rigid and final character of the content of knowledge on the sides both of fact and of meaning in favor of experimental and functioning estimations is precisely the change which has has marked the development of modern from medieval and Greek science seems undoubted. To learn the lesson, one has only to contrast the rigidity of phenomena and conceptions in Greek thought, Platonic ideas, Aristotelian forms, with the modern experimental selection and determining of facts and experimental employment of hypotheses. 
the former have ceased to be ultimate realities of a nondescript sort and have become provisional data the latter have ceased to be eternal meanings and have become working theories the fruitful application of mathematics and the evolution of a technique of experimental inquiry have coincided with this change that realities exist independently of their use as intellectual data and that meanings exist apart from their utilization as hypotheses are the permanent truths of greek realism as against the exaggerated subjectivism of modern philosophy but the conception that this existence is to be defined in the same way as our contents of knowledge so that perfect being is object of perfect knowledge and imperfect being object of imperfect knowledge is the fallacy which greek thought projected into modern science has advanced in its methods in just the degree in which it has ceased to assume that prior realities and prior meanings retain fixedly and finally when entering into reflective situations the characters they had prior to this entrance and in which it has realized that their very presence within the knowledge situation signifies that they have to be redefined and revalued from the standpoint of the new situation four this conception does not however commit us to the view that there is any conscious situation which is totally non-reflective it may be true that any experience which can properly be termed such comprises something which is meant over and against what is given or there but there are many situations into which the rational factor the mutual distinction and mutual reference of fact and meaning enters only incidentally and is slurred not accentuated many disturbances are relatively trivial and induce only a slight and superficial redefinition of contents this passing tension of facts against meaning may suffice to call up and carry a wide range of meaningful facts which are quite irrelevant to the intellectual problem such is the case where the individual is finding his way through any field which is upon the whole familiar and which accordingly requires only an occasional resurvey and re-evaluation at moments of slight perplexity we may call these situations if we will knowledge situations for the reflective function characteristic of knowledge is present but so denominating them does not do away with their sharp difference from those situations in which the critical qualification of facts and definition of meanings constitute the main business to speak of the passing attention which a traveller has occasionally to give to the indication of his proper path in a fairly familiar and beaten highway as knowledge in just the same sense in which the deliberate inquiry of a mathematician or a chemist or a logician is knowledge is as confusing to the real issue involved as would be the denial to it of any reflective factor if then one bears in mind these two considerations one the unique problem and purpose of every reflective situation and to the difference as to range and thoroughness of logical function in different types of reflective situations 
one need have no difficulty with the doctrine that the great obstacle in the development of scientific knowing is that facts and meanings enter such situations with stubborn and alien characteristics imported from other situations this affords an opportunity to speak again of the logical problem to which reference and promise of return were made earlier in this paper facts may be regarded as existing qualitatively and in certain spatial and temporal relations when there is knowledge another relation is added that of one thing meaning or signifying another water exists for example as water in a certain place in a certain temporal sequence but it may signify the quenching of thirst and this signification relation constitutes knowledge this statement may be taken in a way congruous with the account developed in this paper but it may also be taken in another sense consideration of which will serve to enforce the point regarding the tentative nature of the characterization of the given as distinct from the intended and absent water means quenching thirst it is drunk and death follows it was not water but a poison which looked like water or it is drunk and is water but does not quench thirst for the drinker is in an abnormal condition and drinking water only intensifies the thirst or it is drunk and quenches thirst but it also brings on typhoid fever being not merely water but water plus germs now all these events demonstrate that error may appertain quite as much to the characterization of existing things suggesting or suggested as to the suggestion qua suggestion there is no ground for giving the things any superior reality in these cases indeed it may fairly be said that the mistake is made because qualitative thing and suggested or meaning relation were not discriminated the signifying force was regarded as a part of the direct quality of the given fact quite as much as its color liquidity etc it is only in another situation that it is discriminated as a relation instead of being regarded as an element it is quite as true to say that a thing is called water because it suggests thirst quenching as to say that it suggests thirst quenching because it is characterized as water the knowledge function becomes prominent or dominant in the degree in which there is a conscious discrimination between the fact relations and the meaning relations and this inevitably means that the water ceases to be surely water just as it becomes doubtful or hypothetical whether this thing whatever it is really means thirst quenching if it really means thirst quenching it is water so far as it may not mean it it perhaps is not water it is now just as much a question what this is as what it means whatever will resolve one question will resolve the other in just the degree then in which an existence or a thing gets intellectualized force or function it becomes a fragmentary and dubious thing to be circumscribed and described for the sake of operating a sign or clue of a future reality to be realized through action only as reality is reduced to a sign and questions of its nature as sign are considered does it get intellectual or cognitional status 
the bearing of this upon the question of practical character of the distinctions of facts and idea is obvious no one i take it would deny that action of some sort does follow upon judgment no one would deny that this action does somehow serve to test the value of the intellectual operations upon which it follows but if this subsequent action is merely subsequent if the intellectual categories operations and distinctions are complete in themselves without inherent reference to it what guarantee is there that they pass into relevant action and by what miracle does the action manage to test the worth of the idea but if the intellectual identification and description of the thing are as tentative and instrumental as is the ascription of significance then the exigencies of the active situation are operative in all the categories of the knowledge situation action is not a more or less accidental appendage or afterthought but is undergoing development and giving direction in the entire knowledge function in conclusion i remark that the ease with which the practical character of these fundamental logical categories fact meaning and agreement may be overlooked or denied is due to the organic way in which practical import is incarnate in them it can be overlooked because it is so involved in the terms themselves that it is assumed at every turn the pragmatist is in the position of one who is charged with denying the existence of something because in pointing out a certain fundamental feature of it he puts it in a strange light such confusion always occurs when the familiar is brought to definition the difficulties are more psychological difficulties of orientation and mental adjustment than logical and in the long run will be done away with by our getting used to the different viewpoint rather than by argument end of section nine recording by franklin vias